So Caleb read this long passage uh, about the body of Christ. And I, I thought uh, the Lord would be putting this on my heart and um, to kind of preach on this message, especially in this era where it's COVID and you look at like church membership and even um, who's heard of the Gallup poll? Raise your hand. It's like they uh, interview and they poll like Americans and the way that Christianity is going becoming more and more individual and it's so important to our growth that we could be part of a community and learn to love each other. So I kind of wanted to go over this passage together. And as I was preparing, I cried so much. Not because I'm like an emotional lady, although I am. I was just thinking about God's goodness and all the different things that, you know, I've grown to see uh, imperfect people really love each other. I just cried so much. So hopefully I can keep it together. Pray for me, please, <laughs> while we're reading through. So we're, we're going to go through the passage. It's a long passage, so we're going to just take little little chunks of it. So this is the main passage is from 1 Corinthians 12. But all throughout Scripture and a lot of the Pauline epistles, uh Christians, the church is called the body, and I think there's a lot of wisdom behind it. So we're going to kind of, is there magnets here? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, so if you guys have your, uh, keep your uh, phones on to 1 Corinthians 12. So I'm going to read, I had Caleb read for us, but we're going to take a little bit at a time. Okay, so let's look at verses 12 to 14 together. Uh, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Okay, so we see here... The thing that uh, is, tra- is being exposed here is that there's many members in one body. Okay, many Christians feel like when you think about your walk with God, they think it's like, oh, my walk with God is independent, right? It's just me and God. And they read the Bible, they can sometimes stream into church service and listen to different Christian podcasts and books. And they see no need uh, to join a church or make themselves accountable to other Christians. And I'm totally like into listening to different podcasts. I've really seen a lot of growth um, through listening to like, I don't know, Derek Prince and John Bevere. But one thing is, although we can read from their teaching, John Bevere doesn't know me personally, right? I'm gleaning all these things from the thing, but can he? Can I go to him as my pastor? Can he hold me accountable? He can't. Right? And so as this passage is talking about we're one many members in one body, it's coming against this idea that Western Christianity is coming into where my faith is my faith and I am independent. Because here, Al's giving us the picture that we're one of each other. Now, although I want to say direct spiritual relationship with God is very important. Right? The Bible doesn't separate our, our relationship with God and our relationship with people like we do. 
You know, when asked in the New Testament the greatest commandment, Jesus said, first, the greatest is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your minds, Matthew 22. This is the great and first commandment, okay? This is the most important thing, okay? Our love relationship with God. But Jesus said, but a second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And these two commandments are the foundation for the law. How, so Jesus is talking about here, all the law of the prophets, it's how you relate to God, and then it's how you relate to people. Now, what, if uh, for us, we're not really like that familiar with Jewish culture, right? But back then, in Jesus' time, everything was like communally based, right? So it talks about in the Old Testament that God is a God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. And the Jewish people were constantly looking to their ancestors, what God had did as a community, right? Because back then, uh, God was a God of Israel, and in order to keep the religion pure, to keep the worship pure, God made it very clear, okay? Stay within the Jewish faith, keep the communities together, not because he's like racist and he doesn't want to include others, but he wanted people to worship God and God alone, right? And so if you look at the Jewish feasts, all throughout scripture, they talk about, you know, like the Feast of Tabernacles, you know, there's different feasts. And what happened was Jewish people, even though they were placed, like, it was like, they're like all totally spread out, right? Jewish feasts, they would all come back to Jerusalem and they would all gather because they saw the importance of gathering together as a community. Because it's not just like, you know, you have your faith with God, but during these celebrations and during these times, it's not like now where we can just drive our car or take an airplane. Like, it would take days. They would go on donkeys, bring their children and their infants. They would travel to other countries just for the sake of gathering together as a community and worshiping God alone. And so, in this context, Jesus is saying, love God, but also love people. And so, for so many of us today, we separate the two. Where it's like, it's my relationship with God, it's private, it's, inter- it's independent, but these two things were never meant to be independent of each other, but rather interconnected. Okay, uh, Henry Blackaby, so we're doing this um, study called Experiencing God. It's really good. I recommend the book. Okay, so he has a quote that says, Sin makes people independent, but salvation makes us interdepend on one another. And so, as here it's talking about the body of Christ, it's such a good picture. Because there's many little parts to our body, like our toenails and hair follicles, but we all come together under the headship of Christ to become interdependent with one another. Okay, let's go to verse 15, and I'll read verse 15 and 16. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that will not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that will not make it any less a part of the body. Okay, so here, this portion is talking about belonging. Can we say that together? Ready, go. Belonging. Okay, 
To belong is a crucial aspect of our humanity, right? To belong to something, to be accepted for who you are, every detail and quirk and idiosyncrasy, right? God placed us in family to fulfill that need of belonging, right? Belonging helps us to feel secure and safe. And as humans, our greatest desire is to know and be known, to be loved and to feel confident that those who know us will love us, be steadfast with us through uh, joy and trouble. Now, if you look at our society today, or if you look at like different areas that you may struggle with, right? This is one key area that Satan is always trying to attack our identity, right? That you don't belong. You're the weird one, right? You're, you're like, you know, not the same as everybody else. Okay, we just see so many different manifestations of not belonging, right? So th- think about like your friends or think about like all the, you know, different movies that you see. If you look at like gangbangers and stuff, right? I'm sure they don't like to do those crimes and stuff, right? But in gang culture, there's like a sense of belonging. I'm talking like I know, I have no idea, but when I watch the movies, that's what it seems like, right? So all about all this stuff, right? For young girls, they want to belong. Like they want to feel like they, they belong for who you are. And at a young age, if that's not met, then a lot of them become promiscuous. Not because that's something that they want, but there's a sense of belonging when you're with like a boyfriend or somebody that accepts you. Uh, whether it's drugs or different things, that deep core belief and want that we belong, we're accepted and not rejected is something so deep inside of us. And so here we see that belonging is a key to being a body of Christ. Okay, let's go to verse 17. I'm going to read 17 to 20. Uh, 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? Did you guys ever see those like uh, pictures with all those eyes on the body? It's so gross. Okay, sorry. Um, If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body. Each one of them he chose. Uh, verse 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Okay, so here we see God is arranging all the different parts. It's God, the one that's being very, uh, what's the word? Very particular. And he is choosing each person in the body, right? It's not random. Uh, where we are placed, uh, you know, whatever geographically, like our race, who our parents are, these things, God's arranged these things and he's picked these things and it's perfect. God's the one that did it. Okay, and we see that everybody is different, right? But in today's culture, they're constantly trying to make you look at others and compare, I think on like the beauty ads, you know, when I look at the ads, I'm like, I'm getting old, man. (laughs) I want to have young skin like her. (laughs) Like we were at a restaurant and we saw, uh, do you guys know Chun Jian? She's like a pretty famous actress. And so I looked at uh, that. I was like, hey, Ethan, that's Chun Jian. She's one year older than me. 
And she's like, but how come her, mom, how come her skin is so smooth? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you know, your skin has like all these things on it, but her skin is so smooth. And I was like, first of all, she's rich and can do Botox and facials all the time. And second, it's called airbrushing. <laughs> but when I see that, I was like, I want to be young and also have these smooth skin like the commercials, right? It's constantly this kind of like uh, culture to compare. I'm like, man, I want to I wanna be like Molly and I want to be like fashionable and look like a model. Or like, oh, I want to like be like Maka and be like smooth and hip hop and sing well, right? It's like we're, we're constantly looking to other people. We see the good things in them. Lord, why can't I be a good listener like this person? Or why can't I have more patience? Okay, but the world is constantly telling us to compare each other with who you are. The comparison process involves people coming to know themselves by evaluating their own attitudes and traits in comparison with others. Right? So you don't see yourself as like valuable, good in the eyes of the Lord, but when you compare yourself with someone that's like better, then you 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 like feel like you suck. You're like, "Oh, like why?" And like this, right? And so everyone is different, and this diversity is beautiful in the eyes of the Lord. Okay, in the body of Christ, diversity is acceptable, it's essential, and the body can't work properly if we're all one eye and a bunch of eyes. And the body must have different parts and gifts, or we can't act effectively as one body. Can you like imagine? Like I'm very visual. Like when I read, like I think about like all these eyes, and I get like really grossed out. But it's like, oh, you have to have these different parts because you have to work together. You can't be one body. Remember that God chose exactly the gifts that you're supposed to have, exactly the way you're supposed to look. And sometimes we get so stuck on what we don't have. But let us remember that God is the one that chose. Okay, let's go to verse 21 to 24. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with great, greater modesty. Okay, verse 24. Which, all, eh? which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Okay, so the eye can't say, I ain't an eye, I don't need you. Okay, this passage is showing us that we need each other. Okay, we need each other. You know, the world teaches us that self-sufficiency is positive, right? It's just, you're the only one that you can trust. It's just you. It's just me against the world. And we think the individual who doesn't have problems is like mature. Be self-sufficient. Uh, self okay, find your own zen. Okay, relying on yourself is the world's model 
but it goes against biblical values. Okay, you know who's self-sufficient? Uh, Satan. <laughs> in, in Isaiah 14, it says he wanted to raise his throne above the stars of God. Okay, Satan hated being dependent on God. He wanted to center, make decisions, and rule the earth. Okay, that's a little extreme, right? Okay, but in Revelations, we also see chapter 3, the Laodicean church, okay, they pretended they had no needs. Okay, and they're being confronted in this book of Revelations. It says in 3.17, You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Okay, self-sufficiency actually, it, it goes against the very nature of safety. Let me explain, okay? Because if you're self-sufficient and you don't need anything, you don't realize your impoverishment. Okay, you don't realize that you're hungry or thirsty. Right, think of it, if you feel like I have it together and I don't need anybody, then you don't experience lack. Okay, so if you remember in Matthew, right, on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus is talking about blessed are those who mourn for those who be comforted, blessed are those who hunger, and blessed who are thirst, who thirst. Okay, because these are the very core things of fruitful kingdom living is we have to know our lack. Okay, because if we could just do it ourselves, there will be no need for a savior, right? We need to know our weakness. We need to know where we are needing God, because in that way, God shows us these things so that we can uh, rely on him. But it's also through the body of Christ that we learn not to be self-sufficient. Okay, and as we express our needs, welcome them, and we understand that it's a gift of uh, God designed to draw us closer to him. Okay, let's go to verse 25. Uh, read 25 and 26. That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all, re all rejoice together. Okay, so here it's talking about oneness, right? No division. And in John 17, in, it's called the high priestly prayer, right? Jesus talks about us being one. So he says that all of them, he's talking about us, may be one Father, just as you and me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Okay, so this is so important for the church that we be unified with Christ as the center and together as oneness. But isn't the church today one of the biggest places for division? Where it's like, oh, we don't, we don't believe in this. We don't believe in baby baptisms. And then they create like a denomination. We're going to be Baptist and you're Presbyterian. Or, oh, we don't believe in this thing. And there's so much division in the body of Christ. But this is one of Jesus' key core prayers over the churches that will be united. Now, it's like a very big deception that you have to have the same beliefs as your neighbor to be united. 
right? And you can see this even in marriage. There's like plenty of things that Caleb and I are very different. I'm very uh, conservative. I'm just kidding. But (laughs) there are many things that even theologically we think differently in raising our children. We think differently or, you know, different areas of personality. But we can still be united, right? If we look at the church, we think like, oh, this person is like this, and they're too, they're lopsided, and they're too imbalanced. But the truth is, regardless of theological beliefs, those minor things, if we have Christ as the center, as a foundation, we can be united and still disagree. The Bible refers to the body of Christ as being knitted together in love in Colossians 2. And this helps give us the support we need to go uh, go through the trials of life. And as we are connected with the, and grounded to the body of Christ in a unified way, it gives us strength to face our circumstances. Now, why was this so important for Jesus to pray this over Christians, that we would be united? Okay, because the church is supposed to be the model of how unperfect people can still come together and love each other. Okay? With the unbelieving world and the unsafe world with many different things, okay, when they see the church come together and love each other, that's where they'll see the glory of God. Now we have to experience trustworthy love, okay, before we can deal with the world that is not trustworthy. So if we have no place to learn about being dependable, we will never be able to sustain ourselves. So when Jesus was walking this earth, he modeled for us the love we should have for one another. And as he told us to become a body or a church where we can know and experience his presence through union with him and with each other. Okay, It's in the church that we fully know and experience his touch on earth today. All right, let's go to verse 27, and I'll read to the end. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members in it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues and do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts? And I will show you a still more excellent way. Okay, so here, this is talking about, right, he's like talking about, you know, the fivefold ministry and different gifts, but what is this pointing to? It's pointing to that each one of us has a gift. Okay, or for those of you who are lucky, you have multiple gifts. And what do you do with the gift? You give the gift, right? You gotta, you gotta give the gift, or it's not a gift, right? <laughs> so where can you give this gift? You give it to the body of Christ. Okay, this gift is not for you to hoard. Okay, the purpose of you being gifted this way is not to be like, I'm so awesome. Okay, but the purpose is to love and to serve the body of Christ, right? Ephesians 4:15 to 16 says, rather speaking the truth in love, 
We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and helped together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working together, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, I, I understand for some people it's hard to find those gifts, you know. We all have to go through a process of, like, what am I good at? You know, you start to practice these different things. But once you come into the body of Christ and you start to really relate to each other and, you know, be committed to each other, that's also a huge way you can find out your gifts. Now, when I first came to Korea, I was like super young and super fresh, right? I was like uh, 23. <laughs> What's going on? I know I'm fresh now, but I was even fresher back then. And I really struggled, like, when I met people who were like, oh, my vision is this, like, my vision is for North Korea, and, uh, and you know, and I'm like, hmm, I, I don't know anything, like, I don't know. And then people were like, oh, what are your gifts? And, like, I'm like, I don't really know, I kind of like this. And it was through relating to the body and, like, watching, being, watching them model certain things. Like, you try out a lot of different things when there's a need, right? It's not like you only serve in your capacity, but it was like through relating to the church, I was like, oh, I, you know, I think I think I kind of like these things, you know, where people pray for you. It's like, oh, I guess, you know, uh, I guess I could like, uh, I'm, you know, good in communication, right, or like whatever. But like when I first, you know, someone said like, oh, I think you really have a gift to communicate. And I, they're like, would you, uh, they challenged me to like preach. But like I, I used to have this like, like fear, horrid fear, and I would get these like, <laughs> like panic attacks to preach, right? But I thought like, okay, if, if this person sees this, then I'm gonna try. And so I preached my first sermon in 2007, and it was really bad. <laughs> and like I know like right now I seem like really outgoing, but I'm actually a little bit shy. And like I was like so awkward, and I was like ah, you know, like you like you feel awkward. It was it was super bad, and so you know. But it's like through the body of Christ that you can learn a lot of these things. Because sometimes you cannot see your own gifts because you're your old biggest critic, right? But when other people see you, it's just like I look at oh that person's really good at this and that. It's like so easy to spot the other gifts in people. It's important to be part of a body. Okay, for them to really call out, oh, this is what you're good at. This is who you are. And use that to serve the body. As each believer makes up Christ's body and through their gifts, build each other up. Okay, we perfect each other, mature each other. And as we belong to each other, we not only minister to each other, but grow in our giftings as well. Okay, so I'm going to talk about... Um, the three, there's a lot of different things, but I just wanted to make it succinct. Okay, so three reasons why. Why do we need the body of Christ? Okay, in this digital age of COVID and awesome preachers and singers from Hillsong that are like way better than anyone <laughs> and the preachers are awesome. Why? What's the need to come to church? And what's the need to like, you know, fellowship with one another? Okay, first one is development. Thank you, Abe. 
Okay, we need the body of Christ for our development. Okay, in relationships, we learn to love. Right, we, we receive love, and this teaches us how to love. Right, the Bible says that we love because He first loved us, and loving people, we get love, and then we love people and follow that example. Right, and God commands us to do so. Okay, but as we place ourselves into a good and safe relationships that are loving, we learn to receive and also respond to that love. Right. We learn how God wants us to love others, and we do the same. But what's the tricky part? <laughs> the tricky part is once we actually relate to people, we realize we often fail. <laughs> we are often not loving. And so for some people that have like a really hard time with failure, what does that do? They feel like they get closed up and they don't want to relate to other people. But that's what the body of Christ is for. Okay, we're supposed to relate to one another to grow in love. And it's only as we relate intimately to others in the body of Christ that we can find out how unloving we actually are. Okay, we, we relegate to people, we apologize, receive forgiveness, Okay, and we learn to do it correctly and try better. Okay, so if you if you uh, if you really want to know how sinful you are, then you should get married. <laughs> married people know, right? Because when I was single, I thought I was so holy, and I was like, I I, I think I'm like I, I'm doing a pretty good job not sinning, and I'm pretty like I I got it together now, Lord, like. I've really conquered a lot of my sin patterns and stuff. But as soon as you get married, it's like a mirror to your face of your sinfulness and your selfishness, right? It's like, oh, wow, you feel very, very humbled, okay? It's through our uh, development with people that we, we go through this and grow in the body, uh, grow in love. All right, number two, we need the body of Christ for our healing. Okay, everyone, I want you to say our healing. Ready, go. Our healing. Okay, God designed the church to be our second family. And there's a longing for security and love that God created in us because he's created us to be relational people, right? I read somewhere, I feel like it was boundaries or... I can't quite remember, right? That oftentimes the lessons that we were supposed to learn in our family that we didn't learn, actually God will bring us to a body of Christ so that we can learn and mature, right? And so the person that I am now is very different from the person that I used to be. And I I, I really I deep down I'm a little bit shy, right? And and also I was like kind of the type of person who was like really in my mind all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like it, after interactions with people, I'll be like, oh, why did I say that? Like, oh, this person is gonna like not like me. Like, oh, like this person is like thinking these kind of thoughts about me and like all these things, right? Because I don't know I don't know about your culture or your family, but in Asian 
in a lot of in Asian families, boundaries do not exist. <laughs> you're like one big mesh of slime with your family in your identity of who you are. And so for a lot of us, it's like we're taught like to bury our problems deep within, you know? Oh, I'm okay, I'm okay. <laughs> you're like, whoo, sweep it under the rug very easily. And so for a lot of people, they thought I was like, oh, very go lucky, and I am, right? But I was like the kind of person that I, I just built up, built up the hurt, right? You just build it up, build it up, build it up. And so when I first came to our body of Christ here, and I started to experience God's love, and it was like, amazing like the tangible presence of the holy spirit but then i started feeling god's nudging to me like hey you need to tell this person that this person hurt you and i resisted for one year <laughs> that's a long time right and to some of you that's not that big of a deal right but growing up in that kind of environment there's a you feel like a lack of safety like you can't be honest like there's like a you're like a you know like you're not stable and so that very first step I know it's like not a big deal that first step to actually go to somebody say like hey what you did kind of hurt me like I think about that and I still feel like terror because that first step to actually reach out and say hey I, I need you to hear me and I need you to walk through this with me was absolutely terrifying, right? And and so I kept taking these steps. And so I have this, I have a friend in Seoul, right? And she was one of my bridesmaids. And so, you know, now I'm very good with my emotions and feelings. I could tell right away, oh, hey, Caleb, you're being a big turd. And the reason is because I felt disrespected and you said this and you're, and I can like, I'm very good at articulating it. But back then I, I didn't know. All I know was I felt bad. I felt bad and I want to cry and isolate myself, right? And so for people like this, you think like, oh, I need to have it together. I need to know why I'm upset before I present this to my friend and so I was I was on that journey of doing that and so I remember we gathered in the pastor's room and it was like all four of us it was our accountability group and so I was like hey I wanted to bring these things by you but then actually she came to confront me about like different stuff and so I was just like and then, and then I remember I was just like, and I'm just crying, and I'm just. I said, I I didn't want to like give you these things because I'm saying you're bad. I'm saying that I don't know how to receive this, and so I want you to help me. I just want to give this to you, and will you walk me through? And so I thought about all the different ways that the body of Christ was there. Right to you know you don't have to have it all perfect all together but just to walk you along that process and say that you're enough that you're worth it that you don't have to have it all together. 
I'm going to be committed to you. I'm going to be committed to the process. There's so much healing that happens. You know, unfortunately, our families, as much as they try the hardest, are sometimes not the safest environment to really grow up in who you are. And so it's like really weird because the person that my family thinks I am is so different from who I am today. Thank you. And Caleb, you know, Caleb always talks about like, oh, Mina's so confrontational. <laughs> and like, Mina is like, and that's true. That's very true now because I'm very relational. So for me, I would rather confront you and have it in the open so that our relationship can continue, right? But before, I was like so terrified of even like giving people that space. giving people that access to that. And so, I just wanna encourage you guys that you would take that first step. Now, I do wanna kind of, what's the, oh, disclaimer. There's a disclaimer, right? Because, because the church is made of imperfect people, right? It doesn't mean that we fully trust. Oh, this is a, a church I'm going to fully trust, right? Because trust needs to be earned. And you need to be discerning, right? Because even in scripture, God talks about there's sheep and there's goats, right? There's people who are there to, you know, I mean, it's talking about believers and unbelievers. But in this context, there's people who God's called you to, you know, be friends with. And then there's people that are a little bit toxic, right? So the disclaimer, you have to be discerning. You can't just trust whoever and just think that, oh, this is the body of Christ, and so this is, you know. But let the Holy Spirit lead you. Like, if you've started to build relationships with people, let them, you know, speak into different things in your life, right? Thank you. But God, he placed us in family. He placed us in covenant to be an access of our healing. You know, deep down within all of us, we hate the idea of having to need others, right? I have this clear memory when God was taking me on this process in 2007. And um, it... I was like listening to praise music. <laughs> it's really funny if I think about it now. I was listening to praise music on my bed and I was like crying by myself about like different stuff. And then the song, it's like, it's all about you, Jesus. You know that song? It's all this is for you and I'm like singing and I'm like, I just want it to be you. And then I heard Holy Spirit say so clearly, like, don't use that as a crutch. Go reach out. <laughs> anyway, that memory is very funny. But even though we have that deep need or hate of needing others, okay, God has made us to be that way, to be interdependent on another. If I can do it, you can do it. Okay. And number three, we need the body as God's agent to prayer. Right? It says in 1 Peter 4.10 that the body of Christ can be instruments of his grace. Right? It says the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. Right? And so 
when you share your story, you share what God has done as a breakthrough, that now becomes a spirit of prophecy over somebody else, right? And so, I, you know, Hyun, I totally forgot to uh, text people. Our, so we have like our small group and our homework that I forgot to text out, I'll do it later, is to think about in your life, right, the areas that you've had breakthrough, right? Like if you really struggled with like sexual sin and then you came to a place of purity, like these kind of different things. Because oftentimes, God will bring you people who are struggling in those areas so you can help them along, right? Because it's not all about being perfect. It's not about having it all together. But it's just like, hey, I'm two steps ahead of you. And I went through this, so let's go together, right? Let me lead you through. You help to keep them accountable. You pray for them, right? Oftentimes, we can be God's agent to prayer. Now, I'm... I am, I 100% believe that God is a supernatural God. And like, I've personally seen a lot of like physical healings and miracles on the mission field. You know, like people, like different like ailments, like being healed. Like I remember we went to uh, Thailand and like me and a friend, we prayed for this guy who... Uh, he got shot like in his lower spine and so he, he was like older like like 60s and then we like you know we were like starting to pray for healing so we laid our hands I was like a, I was young and fresh back then too so I laid my hands and I was like we pray healing and we command healing in Jesus name and then like he was like walking around and then he left he left the hallway and all you hear is because he's wearing flip-flops and so he's running up and down the halls and he's like I haven't ran I haven't ran in like so many years I haven't ran and so I remember I was like trying to keep it cool I was like oh yeah praise God that's awesome but then like after he left and we went to a hotel room we're like ah! we're like jumping on our beds we're like because it was the first time for us to like pray for someone and see that kind of dramatic healing. Now I'm totally, I believe that God heals in this fashion. Okay, I totally believe that God heals in this fashion, right? And so sometimes we pray. We're praying for our our lives and we're saying, God, we need your divine intervention. Like Lord Jesus, like these kind of different things, right? But then God doesn't answer. And sometimes the key is not the, the miracle through God and divine intervention, but the miracle is actually through the person next to you, right? That they're supposed to provide it. And so Caleb and I, we have uh, mentors in America, right? And uh, Belinda is like the lady, right? And so she recently has been having bad cataracts. And so she needed surgery. And so we started, we were like praying, praying that, God would heal her. We 100% believe that God could heal her. But then, you know, for some reason it wasn't happening. And so they reached out because they're missionaries. And they, you know, sent out a letter to other people asking their situation, like the cost of cataract surgery. And like within days, they got it from all around the world, right? Like people in Korea, like people elsewhere. And so I was like talking to them and I was talking to her husband. And he was like, you know... He was sharing the testimony because he was like, he went into the living room and Belinda was there and she was like, I just, I, I was praying and I believed God for this miracle that he could do it. 
but like I felt the Holy Spirit telling me like I, the miracle was that he did it through other people right and that that kind of provision because it's a lot of money in America med- medical expenses are pretty crazy right and that provision came that in that timing quickly enough for them to get the surgery so she started the surgery I think she did one one eye and the other eyes coming but oftentimes the body is the agent for prayer I uh, want us to ah! take some time can we take some time together and uh, bow our heads and pray And I just, I want us to just spend some time um, individually praying uh, for ourselves. And although... um, my journey of healing started a long time ago right that one that one story that one step that first step of vulnerability like when I think when I think about it and think about actually having to extend my hand and ask somebody for help and ask you know that I needed help with something like when I think about that even though it's more than 17 years ago I still feel I always cry (laughs) and it's like I feel like not all stories are like this and not I don't think that that's always the case for things but I think there's a level where even though I'm very much past it I still feel the fear and I still feel the pain and I think it's God's sovereign way because sometimes I'm like Lord you know I can just share my story and you know I'll help people I'll be like the two steps ahead of that person and help people along because it's not very comfortable feeling pain and it's not comfortable carrying that but I feel like sometimes that the Lord just lets me hold on to that right not for my sake but for the sake of the body right because it true empathy is like being able to relate to the person but in order to carry their pain is another thing and to carry their pain and then to pray them through is another thing and so i really felt like god placing this on my heart right that a lot of us we struggle right we struggle with rejection We struggle with actually, you know, extending our hand to people and we struggle. And so I want to, I want to pray for you guys. Okay. And so I want us to close our eyes. Okay. This is just going to be between you and the Lord. Okay. But as just a step of faith. Okay. If you feel like this is an area of your heart that you want God to extend grace to, I want you to just hold out your hand. Okay? And just as an act to receive, because sometimes that's all it takes, right? It's just the first step to realize and just the first step to give over to the Lord. 
And I want to I want to just release a prayer of blessing and a prayer of faith. I want to empathize. I want to say I know it's not easy. And so many of us have gone through so much trauma and pain. And it's not easy and people will continue to disappoint us. Okay, some people may betray you, right? We're not free from hurt, right? We're not perfect. But it's just God's design. It's God's kingdom and his perfect design is that we have to be interdependent with one another. And that's the only way that we can grow. It's the only way we can learn to receive love. It's the only way we can start to learn to give love. And so I want I'm going to pray for two specific things. Okay, one thing is if you have trouble, if you feel like that's something you want to do, but you're having trouble, okay? I want you to uh, place out your hand. God, we thank you that you are safe. And Lord, we thank you for our community. We thank you for our covenant community here. Uh, God, we ask that you will give us the grace uh, to rely on the people that you've called. God, for people who are scared, Lord, we ask that you'll continually bring healing in their hearts. God, we ask for divine relationships, divine friendships, ones where they're not just being healed, but they can also be an agent, Lord. But we ask, God, we break the fear in Jesus' name. We ask that a spirit of grace and love will go forth. God, where every uh, spirit of rejection and shame that was placed upon us as children, we ask, God, that you will remove that in Jesus' name. God, will you establish us in our identity as a child of God in Jesus' name? Oh, I, like, I'm drawing a blank. What was the second one? Hold on. Um, the second one... Let me think, let me... I had it in my mind. It just left me. Hold on. Uh, God, by your spirit and by your word, God, that we will help to remove the lies of the enemy to establish each other in our identities of who we are. God, we thank you for the amazing works that you've done. Uh, we continue to look back to remember your faithfulness and goodness in our lives. God, but we also know and we believe uh, for the things ahead. God, but for every area in our hearts where we're having trouble.